Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. So glad you stopped by. We hope that as you listen to today's sermon, the Holy Spirit through his word will refill you, recharge you, and equip you for the rest of your journey with him. Listen to today's sermon. Why don't we close our eyes and pray? You've been with us since the beginning. We want to thank you. In Christ alone, in you alone we stand. There is no other God. There is no one else we want to worship. We thank you for the privilege of being part of that. Father, now as we come to to hear your word, We ask, Holy Spirit, that you will come and speak through us and speak to us and open our eyes and open our heart to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to be with you. Good morning again, everyone. Uh, Over a month ago, uh, our brother, Pastor Joe, introduced us to the five solas. Uh, the five pillars of our salvation. The five pillars that anchored the reformation and the basis for our salvation and the basis of our faith as evangelical Christians. Now, I won't try to mention them in Latin because I don't know how to speak Latin, but in English, we have the scripture alone, Christ alone as we sang, grace alone, faith alone, and all for the glory of God. Two weeks ago, Enke presented the authority and the relevance of Scripture, God's written word given to us to guide our path and our thoughts and our world vision. As Christians, we respect various opinions uh, in the marketplace, but when it comes to our faith, when it comes to principle for our living, we build them on the Bible and the Bible alone. We measure all opinions all thoughts in light with the Bible, their alignment with the Bible. So it is our aspiration that our perspectives of of politics, economy, uh, of marriage, of sexuality, of relationship, of family, of life and death will be based and grounded in the Word of God. We hold the Bible as, as God's Word and we believe it is true in all respect, although it is written by fallible man. That Bible is available to you and me. It is not taken in hostage by a few people who know how to interpret it. This Bible is available to you and to me. That is the first pillar, the scripture alone. And last week, uh, Pastor Joe discussed another pillar, Christ alone. Again, in in the face of so many religions and worldviews, we believe, as the scripture teaches, that salvation is found in no one else For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Christ Jesus, we believe, is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. We believe in his life. We believe in his claim. We believe in his teaching captured in the scriptures. We believe in his death and in his resurrection. It is exclusive 
to say that today, that there is only one way to God, which is Jesus Christ. Yes, it is exclusive, but it is available to all men, as Pastor Joe pointed out. We have a God who is so loving and who continues to relentlessly pursue men and women across all ages, across all races, across the world to reconcile men to himself. So today we're looking at, at grace alone, and I would like to discuss it in three parts. First of all, what is the grace of God? Second, the problem of the church of Galatia, and, and some of you may understand what I'm talking about. And then lastly, what is that the grace of God in that? What does it produce? What are the fruits of the grace of God? What is the grace of God, the problem of the church of Galatia, and the grace in us and through us? What are the fruits that it produces? There is a powerful statement that Paul, the Apostle Paul, gave to the, the church of, of Ephesus as he wrote to them. For it is by grace, he said. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not by works so that no one can boast. We have already in that statement some powerful indication of what grace is. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. How will we define grace? Jesus in his, in his teachings almost never mentioned the word grace. We don't, we don't hear Jesus talking clearly and explicitly about grace. But all his teachings were full of grace. All his life was full of grace. Let's listen to Jesus in, in one of the parables that we know very well. In, in Luke chapter 15, and I'm reading from verse 11. That's a story we spoke about several times in the church here. Let me read it quickly for you. Luke chapter 15 from verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him everything anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. 
he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is what grace is. Jesus didn't use the word, but through his teaching, we have a sense of what he's here for. This child, he took everything he could possibly take from his dad. In the Jewish culture, the commentator said, if you go and ask for your inheritance while your dad is still alive, it means you really want to cut your ties with your father. He is dead to you. So you take your inheritance and you go away. And the second point that the commentators will point out to us in this story is what the father did. He's the patriarch. And patriarchs, they don't run. They're highly respected. They're dignified. The father of the family. In this story, he saw his son from afar. He ran to him. He embraced him. He kissed him. He doesn't even give him time for his apology. This son of mine was died and now he lives. He celebrates. Not only alone, he brings everybody into the party. This is what the grace of God is. That is the grace of God. It is completely absolutely free it is totally undeserved it is all it is unfair we know the story of the big brother who came it is unfair it is undeserved it is unfair it is extravagant it doesn't make sense that is what the grace of God is for us it doesn't make sense it is too much And there are many parables like that in the Bible. The lost sheep. He had a hundred of them. One got lost. He left the 99 in the countryside. He went for this last one. And the Bible says, he throws a party in heaven for that one sheep that was found. The lost coin. The lady lost, she has 10 silvers. She lost one. She cleans the place. She puts on the light. She looks for that one. When she finds it, she brings all his friends to celebrate. And there are many parables after parables from the Lord Jesus pointing to one thing. That fa the Father in heaven, that God loves us so much. Jesus didn't just teach about it. He was living it. In the introduction of Luke chapter 15, this is what he said. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Jesus was not just teaching about God's grace. He was demonstrating God's grace, welcoming the sinners. The sinners, that's not nice. The tax collectors, the thieves, the prostitutes, 
That was his life. That was the center of his message. He was living day to day the grace of God. Many other parables. The parable of the landlord and the employees. He has a wild, a big farm and he needs people to work. He comes in the morning, say, you, would you work for me? First hour, he takes them to his farm. They work. Three hours later, he takes another group of people. Eleven hours later, he takes another group of people. And then when all is done, they did a good work, he comes back now to pay each one for what they have done. And guess what? The guys who came at the eleventh hour, probably they worked just one hour. He pays them the same wages as those who spend the whole day working. What is the message? That the grace of God, it is totally undeserved. It is totally free. It is a free lunch. We often hear there's no free lunch. That one is a free lunch. There's no hidden agenda. There's no TNCs apply. No. It is what it is. It is the grace of God. And he did not just teach it. He did not just demonstrate it. He took a step further. It was not enough for Jesus to teach about grace. It was not enough for him to welcome the sinners. He needed to appease the wrath of the Father. And last week we heard, and we hear from, from Philippians, he took the form of a human being. He came down from his throne. He went on the cross and he died on the cross for you and for me. That was the only thing that was needed to appease the wrath of the Holy and righteous God. And Jesus did it. Isn't it the main thing? This is the grace of God. That is what he has done for us. What we could not do. And Paul says so emphatically, it is not your words. It is a gift so that no one can boast. Hallelujah. It cost us nothing, but it cost him everything to give his life. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, as we read from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus from Romans 3 verse 23 to 24. So grace means there is nothing you and I can do for God to love us more. And there is nothing that we can do for God to love us less. It doesn't depend on us. It is initiated by the Father. It is freely given. The Apostle Paul was a very zealous uh, Jewish, leading crusades against the church of God. And on his way to Damascus, he persecuted the church. Jesus revealed himself to him. And God's grace transformed him completely. God's grace transformed Mary Magdalene, the prostitute. God's grace transformed Zacchaeus, the tax collector. 
And this is the message that the Apostle Paul, he was wrestling with churches. He was moving from a church to another and, and pleading with Christians, please do not change this. This is the heart of, of the gospel. And the, the fathers of the Reformation also were wrestling to make sure that that truth, that doctrine stays with us. So for you and I, my friend, if, if you hear of the message of Jesus Christ perhaps for the first time and you have never accepted him as your personal savior, this is your moment. God loves you and has given everything to save you. You can come as you are. If like the prodigal son, you've gone a bit too far in, in re rebelling against God, choosing a path that is not a God's path, you too can come as you are. That grace is still available. That grace, that fountain, that river of abundance love is still available. And enough to restore you completely. Let's turn to Galatia chapter 3 and, and, and discuss the, the problem with, with the church of Galatia. I'm reading from Galatia 3, verse 1 to 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? In chapter 5, verse 4, Paul continues, You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. This is a church that was planted by the apostle with new believers in the city, vibrant city. And these new believers, there were some Jewish people, there were some non-Jewish, which the Bible called the Gentiles. And they all came to Christ. And Paul will stay there to lay foundation in the church. And because he's an apostle, after he does it, he moved to next town, to the next church that he needs to plant. But after that, people will come in the back and try to change the message. Some Jews who grew up in Judaism say, hey, guys, we are very happy that you have now joined that faith that is ours. We are very glad for that. But guess what? If you want to go deeper, you need to do one or two things. You need to get circumcised. If you really, really want to go far with God, you need to get circumcised. You need to observe particular days. You should not eat this. You should not eat that. And Paul is furious. He said, no, this is not the message. He did it all. There is nothing to add. No circumcision. No special day to observe. Know that women should not wear this or that. We are not the church of Galatia, but we experience and live the same challenges of the church of Galatia in our churches today. Oh, you should pray a bit more. Maybe you take three days fasting or the fast of Daniel if you want God to respond to your prayer. You should go see this prophet so and so. You shouldn't do this. You should do this. The problem of the church of Galatia, we experience it today. And sometimes out of goodwill because we want to go far with God. Good resolutions. I need to pray a bit more. I need to, to read a bit more my Bible. If you do, that's great. But if you don't, that's fine. That is not the basis for your salvation. That is not the basis for your salvation. This is a response to God's grace in your life for your salvation. Amen? You were trying to be justified by law. You have fallen 
out of grace, Paul says. Let me read from, from, from Romans 7. In, in Romans 7, Paul discusses uh, grace, the law, and sin. And let me read it quickly and, and try to summarize. Do you know, brothers, for I'm speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man as long as he lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she's called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress, even though she marries another woman, another man. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through Christ, through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. What is Paul saying here to the church of Rome? Of Rome? He said, he gives them an analogy. It is like in a marriage. You used to be married to a husband. That husband was called the law. And under that marriage, you had to fulfill the requirement of that marriage. He said there is one condition for you to be out of that marriage. One has to die. And we know that the law doesn't die. The, no, the law, the Bible teaches, will not pass. But something else happened. He said to the Christian, you Christians, you Romans, have died. And now you've been married to a new man, a new husband, Jesus Christ. That is your new husband. So please do not try to spend more time with the old husband in order to please the new husband. Who does that? I want to spend more time with the old husband. I want to know a bit more what the old husband requires in order for me to please the new husband. If you want to please the new husband, stay with the new husband. Spend time with the new husband. This is where you are today. That is how we live a life that is victorious. That is how we enjoy the grace of God. As we continue to set rules, even good ones, we get frustrated. Today we are happy. Tomorrow we fall again. We make resolution. We sin again. It frustrates us because the old husband doesn't give us the power to please God. He just knows how to point. You should do this. You should do that. You shouldn't do this. But it doesn't give us the power to please God. It doesn't have that power. But the new husband empowers us. He loves us. He empowers us to please God. Hallelujah. There are various applications of God's grace in our lives. So much that the apostles were, were wishing grace to one another. May the grace of God be with you. You can use that and apply it to everything in your life. It's a game changer. Let me look at a few, a few aspects in in our churches, in our, in our families, there are sometimes some roots of the lack of grace, or I will call it ungrace. And, and these roots, we often see them in the form of, of unforgiveness. We have received grace freely from God. And often we see that grace is not present in our families. Unforgiveness. We still are not happy about the mother who left us too early because she got us maybe she was 15 and she couldn't take care of us so she gave us to her mom 
and we grew up with the grandmother and we grew up with strong resentment for that mom who was not present or for the father who was not responsible enough maybe violent to your mom a drunkard and, and we hold such griefs, such discontent strong unforgiveness ungrace and those prevent us also to grow in our relationship with God in our churches sometimes we reward and show consideration to brothers or sisters based on their performance how much they give how much they support specific ministries these are the roots of ungrace of the lack of grace we want to be a church a grace-filled church where all people of all backgrounds of all races are welcomed we want to be a church where the house help and the boss are sitting side by side that's what grace does there is no more slave there is no more master there is no more women there is no more man because before God we're all the same the house help and the boss can hold hand and pray because of grace grace is not is not powerless it is powerful the Bible teaches Paul says grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness one might think that grace is is a recipe is a free license to live a life of just full disobedience to God on the back of grace that is not true let me read from Titus it says Grace teaches us, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It empowers us to do the will of God. It empowers us to follow God. The grace of God sustains us. It keeps us. It is liberating. It teaches us to forgive. C.S. Lewis would say, uh, being a Christian could mean excuse the inexcusable the grace of God humbles us it fills us with gratitude it empowers us to serve him and to do his will because we know we know without doubt that he is on our side we know that he died for us we know that he loves us and when you come and you have an assignment and you know that God is on your side. He loves you. Not because you merit it. Not because you prayed the day before. But you know that deep down, you have God on your side. You are almost unbreakable. You go with boldness. You go with courage. You can stand. The Apostle Paul, the murderer that was transformed, he could go on and on and on to preach that grace. So that many will get to hear it. It is free. It is completely and absolutely free. It is undeserved. It is a gift of God. Hallelujah. As a church and as Christians, our prayer is to grow in the grace of God. To grow in the grace of God. It, is the, the, it opens the door, but it sustains us and keeps us going. Hallelujah shall we pray I want to give you an opportunity to pray the first response to the grace of God is gratitude it saves us if, if you're here 
and, and you, you hear me talking about that grace and you're like, I, I don't know what it is. I have not prayed a prayer to ask Jesus to come into my heart. I want to give you an opportunity. He loves you so much. If you want to give your life to God, if you want to accept Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you, if you've never done it before, just as you are, just as you are, I want to invite you to do it. Would you be bold and, and stand and we will pray with you. Or, or if you have experienced or continue to experience the frustration of going back and forth with the Lord as the church of Galatia and you want it's an opportunity for you to, to dive again in the rivers of grace and let God welcome you and let God forgive you you can come back he wants you to come back don't stay where you are if you are far from the Father. Don't stay there. You can come back. The Father runs. He throws himself at him, embraces him, and throws a party for him. That's what God wants to do today for you. He throws a party for the sinner who repents and comes back. grace is so wonderful with our broken words we try to explain it but Jesus Jesus you are so so good thank you for the cross thank you for provision for the provision to live for you thank you for your grace your grace that empowers us we ask that your grace shall abound in our church, in our families, that husband and wife will receive and give grace to one another, that parents will give grace to the children, that in our church will receive and give grace to one another, that there will be room for the rejected, that there will be a place for the tax collectors, that there will be a place in our church sinners because we are all sinners even when we are wounded deeply that forgiveness will be found here that we will experience and release your grace to one another Jesus we ask in your name we ask in your name Amen Amen We hope this sermon blessed you. If it did, will you consider sharing it with a friend? And if you're in Accra looking for a spirit-filled community to worship with, why don't you join us at Mikado Plaza, Aboni Junction, Accra, on Sundays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. 
You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Accra Church and visit our website, accrachurch.org, for more sermons. God bless you.